0: Guardian Unlimited. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. James Gray. Number one, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr Speaker, the whole House will
1: have been shocked and saddened by the tragic drowning in the Algarve uh, of my constituents, uh, Bob and and Debbie Fry and of Gene Dinsmore. Uh, look, luckily, their hometown of Woodenbass has a powerful sense of community, and I know that they will rally around in every way and offer the children every possible support. But in offering his sympathy, will the Prime Minister also be ready to offer every kind of practical help and support now to the children in Portugal, but more, more important perhaps after that, once they come home and the problems they will be facing then?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think the whole House, uh, indeed the whole country, will join me in sending our condolences to the families and friends of Mr and Mrs Fry and Mrs Dismore who died in such tragic circumstances and our first thoughts, uh, indeed our heartfelt thoughts, are with the children of those who died. I can tell the House that the consular Services in Portugal are giving every support already uh, to family and friends and at the same time I agree with the Honourable Member we will do everything we can to support the children on the return to this country
2: if uh, my right honourable friend Mr Speaker could help me with a little problem I've been wrestling Not oh. Mrs <laughs> Howe Not Mrs Howe If we were,
0: if the government were to abolish public service targets, how would we know how well they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> Mr Speaker, he is absolutely right as a result of the targets we have set cancer is down 17% in this country There has been a huge cut in cardiovascular disease. It has enabled us to move towards our 18-week target, which we shall reach during the course of the next year. It has made it possible for there to be 1.5 million more admissions to hospitals, and it has made it possible for us to be able to give people the most modern treatment with the most modern equipment. And I fear, I fear, if there is a black hole in different parties' finances, that would enable them to cut spending on the health service when it needs to increase. (laughs) Thank you, you, Mr
1: Speaker. There is nothing more important for our future than raising school standards through real school reform. An important part of that reform is being prepared to give schools real freedom and autonomy, including over their budgets. Does he agree with me it would fly in the face of such autonomy to punish schools which budget carefully? So will he explain why his government is pressing ahead with a plan to confiscate 5% of the surpluses of good schools who planned carefully.
0: Mr Speaker, there are 1.7 billion surpluses in our schools at the moment. Many schools have planned to use these surpluses and will be enabled to do them. We are consulting on how we can best use these surpluses for the benefit of children's education. Yes, And and the Secretary for Children will report back in the next week. We are determined that that money goes to the pupils and to the parents to improve their education.
1: But, Mr. Speaker, why does he think he knows best how to spend this money rather than the head teachers? This is a serious issue for schools up and down the country. Let me quote, Mr. Speaker, some of the head teachers. They say it is unjust an ill-conceived idea. One says it undermines governors' authority. Another says it destroys the trust between schools and the government. Why does the Prime Minister think that those head teachers are
0: wrong and he is right? But, but Mr Speaker, I don't think they're wrong and he should listen to what I'm saying. What I'm saying... Sometimes it's better if he does his research. I'm saying that there are 1.7 billion in surpluses. We are consulting on how we can best use them to the best effect for pupils and teachers. And that will be the result the consultation will come out in the next week. But I have to say to them, the only reason there are surpluses in schools is because of the payments we make direct to schools. And the only reason there is extra investment in education is because we made a decision to raise the amount of money spent for people in our schools. And if the Conservatives persist with their policy of taking six billion pounds out of the public services then it is our schools and our teachers and our pupils that will suffer.
1: Why doesn't the Prime Minister just scrap this consultation and let the schools keep their services? (laughs) Another headteacher has written this. There is no single government measure which I have found as depressing or potentially repressive when is he going to learn that real school reform means giving real autonomy, including over budgets? When is the Prime Minister going to give up his mania for state control and start trusting head teachers?
0: Mr. Mr. Speaker, once again, he is not listening to what I say. The only, reason, the only reason that the schools have that money in the surpluses is because of the special payments we have made and also because they have added to these special payments by their efforts. That is £1.7 billion that is now able to be used for pupils and parents and for teachers. We want that money used to best effect, and it is because we gave money to the schools and allowed them to spend the money that it is possible for them to have the £1.7 billion, and our consultation will finish in the next few days and a decision will be announced. Jessica Thank you, Mr Speaker.
2: we are being asked to reduce our carbon footprint as part of Energy Saving Week, as the Prime Minister had a chance to see the WWF report which was out yesterday, which ranked Newport as the uh, joint number one greenest city in the UK. Would he commend the residents of Newport and also the Labour City Council in their efforts to cut
0: their carbon footprint? applaud uh, Newport. I applaud what uh, uh, my, my honourable friend is doing to promote energy saving. Uh, I met yesterday the Energy Saving Trust to talk about the measures that we can take in the future. A huge amount of effort this week is on persuading people uh, to take the steps that are necessary to save energy, whether it's boiling a kettle, whether it's putting things on standby, whether it's changing the electric bulbs that they use. And I believe it is the combination of personal responsibility, uh, public investment in energy saving, and of course the new energy policy that we are adopting, that is the best way to sh- secure our climate change uh, uh, agreements now I can say also to, to, to the house that we are absolutely committed to the European 20 uh, percent renewables target yeah. it's in cable. Yeah. On,
2: on, that, sir, on that very specific point the prime Minister made prime Minister 's predecessor made a very firm commitment to that twenty percent target for renewables by two thousand and twenty his own ministers are now trying to renege on that commitment does this not suggest that Brown is less green than Blair
0: i think I think to be fair to the our, our, our honourable gentleman i 'm pleased to see him back in his place this week given the turnover of liberal leaders it 's great that he 's actually still still here but I think I, did answer, I think I did answer his question uh, in the previous answer I gave, that we are committed to the targets agreed in the European Union. The European Union will now publish what they believe each country is able to do. We will engage in a consultation on this. But I have to say to the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party that this will lead to difficult decisions that they will have to make. Uh, first, 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 of all, first of all, we have a feasibility study on the Severn Barrage, Secondly, we wish to extend offshore wind turbines. And thirdly, we wish to extend onshore wind turbines. And I believe that the Conservative Party has been totally opposed to something that is necessary to meet our renewable targets.
2: But if the government is fully committed to the 20% target for Britain, why did his own energy minister go on television yesterday and said he wanted it cut from 20% to 10% under pressure from the nuclear lobby? Does the Prime Minister not realise that if he rats on renewable power, not only will it damage the environment, he will also drag down his own environmental reputation to that of his friend George Bush?
0: Perhaps I can explain to him what happened. Europe has agreed a 20 per cent renewable target. Each Member State will then be given the target that it is supposed to agree to and meet to get to that 20 per cent. That has not yet happened. When it happens, we will report back to the House. Now, at the same time, I hope he will agree with me that what makes it possible for us to achieve our energy targets are the renewables obligation, which that party voted against when it came to the House, the climate change levy, which that party voted against, and, of course, I hope he will agree with me uh, to support wind power and the development of that for the future, the wind farms and wind turbines. Michael <laughs> Mitchell. The increasingly
2: belligerent noises from the White House, if there were a US or Israeli military attack on Iran, will my right honourable
0: friend give this House a clear commitment that he will not support it either militarily, logistically or politically? Mr. Mr. Mr Speaker, we pursue a diplomatic course of action, and I believe that we will have to step up our sanctions over the next few weeks. I have already said uh, to other countries that we are prepared to lead the way to a third resolution of sanctions and at the same time to support tougher EU sanctions. I will rule nothing out, but I do tell them that I believe that the diplomatic route and the sanctions are both having an effect and, if stepped up, can have an even bigger effect in the future.
2: (laughs) Why? Why should my constituents pay more tax?
0: so that his constituents pay no prescription charges? I've got to say to him, on on, on on prescription charges, the Welsh Assembly Assembly made a decision, the Scottish Parliament made a a decision. They make a decision within their own budget. The budget is allocated under a formula agreed by both parties in this House over the last 30 years. There is no more money that goes to Scotland or Wales as a result of their decisions on prescriptions and that is the Barnett formula that has been agreed by all parties over the years. Well, if the Conservative Party wished to change the policy, they should tell us now But their policy throughout has been to support this funding formula. Karen
2: Will my right hon. Friend reconfirm this government's commitment to the eradication of child poverty? And does he agree that for many people, the best path out of poverty is through work? But that if the welfare to work green paper proposals are to be implemented, there is an urgent need to expand the supply of affordable, reliable, out-of-school provision, particularly for children between 11 and 14. There are currently fewer than one place for every 10 children in this age group. Will he talk to his right hon. friends to ensure that this service is expanded urgently?
0: Well, my hon. Friend has been a campaigner for childcare over the years, and I visited a Sure Start Centre in her constituency only a few months ago the children's plan will outline what is necessary to expand both childcare and education in future years and i can say to her that she is absolutely right that the expansion of opportunities for work is the best means by which we can relieve people of poverty that's why in providing british jobs for british workers we have been de- oh yes that is why in providing british jobs we have been determined to sign agreements with 110 companies we will sign agreements in future with 300 companies they are designed to provide 300,000 new jobs, and that is one way we can get unemployed workers in Britain into the vacancies, 600,000 of which exist in the economy. We have created jobs, we'll create more jobs in the future, and we will honour our promises to the unemployed.
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. The independent report on the Scottish elections was published yesterday. It found that the Labour government put party interest... Before voters' interest in conducting those elections, will the Prime Minister now offer his own personal apology for the unacceptable conduct of ministers?
2: Yeah.
0: I, I, don't, I don't accept that. I don't accept that at all. What the Guild report said, what the Gould report said, is that there were decisions made about the elections that could have been better made. He recommended. <laughs> and. there. Order. Let, let the prime minister answer. Let the prime minister answer. Prime minister. And, and Mr. Speaker, these decisions were supported by the Conservative Party. The Conservative spokesman on Scottish affairs. I accept the con- Scottish Conservatives acceded to a single Scottish Parliament ballot paper. Now that was the first decision that was made. And what the Gold report does not do, what the Guild report does not do, is put the blame on any individual or any institution. What it, says, what it says is all political parties must take their share of responsibility for what happened. How can he
1: possibly deny that that report says that ministers put political interests ahead of voters' interests? I thought politics was going to be different under this Prime Minister. The report says that ministers in the Scotland office...
2: Order, order. I've asked for quietness on the other side of the House, and I want quietness here. And once again, Mr Austin, the best way for us- yeah. The best place. Was, uh, no, no, you did say it. Uh, uh, let, let me deal with it. I'll deal with it. You, you said a lot. And the best thing for you is to stay away from my chair. Because, because my hearing's bang on. Right?
1: That's another one of the Prime Minister's cronies who won't behave properly. Let's listen to what this report said. The report said that ministers in the Scotland office and I quote frequently focused on partisan political interests overlooking voter interests. In a democracy, that is a complete scandal. Now, the right honourable member who was responsible for this fiasco as Secretary of State for Scotland is now the international he is now the International Development Secretary and the government's election coordinator. How can he possibly go round the world lecturing other countries about probity in their elections? Yeah!
0: Because, be, be, because the right honourable gentleman is misleading people about the conclusions of this report. <laughs> let, let, let me... Let me actually... Let me... A... Oh,
2: let me consult with... <laughs>
0: I call for temperate language, the Prime Minister. And I will be be temperate by quoting the report itself. Throughout the review, we have had no intention and have scrupulously sought to avoid assigning blame to individual and institutions on questioning the legitimacy. He then says, in his conclusion. He talks about the good intentions of those involved in assembling and conducting the elections. And then he says in the interviews he's done, Party self-interest is not necessarily related to one party. He is not assigning blame to one party or one institution. What he is saying is the political system must change, and that's why we've accepted his recommendations.
1: Mr Speaker, I don't know how the Prime Minister has the gall to accuse me of misleading anybody. He should have a look at page 17... Page 17 of the report that says there was a notable level of party self-interest evident in ministerial decision-making. is isn't the least we deserve that the minister who took these decisions explains himself to the House of Commons and is stripped of his responsibility for elections. The Prime Minister promised us a new type of politics. He said he'd be more open and honest. He said he'd be frank about problems. He said he'd be candid about the dilemmas. That was in his leadership speech a hundred days ago. After his performance today, doesn't that feel like a hundred years ago? Yes.
0: Mr. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, all the, all the decisions were agreed by all no, 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 Agreed no, after no, a long process of consultation involving all the parties. No, and ju- I, I have just quoted the Scottish Conservative leader saying that he supported the single ballot paper. And let me just quote Mr Gould again. I don't think I would absolve any party, he says. Party self-interest in this context is not necessarily related to one party. This was not a failure of one party or one institution. It was decisions that we should have made together and decisions we have now made to change the system.
2: Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Wales not wanting to be a killjoy on the question of fireworks. I do think, however, that there does need to be further restrictions on the sale of them and that the self-regulation that there is in place is not meaningful as far as the wanton use or misuse of these by certain elements in our society. Does my Right Honourable Friend not believe it is time to revisit that legislation and ban the sale of fireworks to the
0: public? I'm grateful for my honourable friend raising it at this time of the year. The first thing t- to be said is we have already made changes in the legislation governing fireworks. The second thing I say to him is we will continue to keep that under review. and I think the third thing is that all members of this House should send a message out that we expect people to exercise the use of fireworks with care and with caution. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Mr Speaker, Last night, BBC One featured an extraordinarily talented 16-year-old constituent of mine, Henry Perkins, who is one of only two British boys in the 230-year history of the Bolshoi Valley School to have secured a place there in Moscow. Is the Prime Minister aware that uh, Henry's mother, Sue, has been denied regular child benefit? And is this not a shameful way to treat a real-life Billy Elliot at a time when migrant workers in this country are able to claim thousands of cases of child benefit for their children who have never set foot on these shores?
0: Let me first of all applaud the achievement of Henry and let us all wish him well in his future career in Bali. I say to the hon. Gentleman, because I cannot know the direct information about the individual case relating to child benefit, I shall look into it and I shall write to him.
2: Patrick Hall. The government's uh, target is that uh, CO2 emissions from this country should be reduced by at least 60% by the year 2050. Does my right honourable friend accept that a growing body of informed scientific opinion
1: suggests that this target is perhaps... Insufficiently ambitious. Will he agree to
2: review this matter in the context of the
0: climate change bill? Well, I'm going to, to my friend. He's taken a huge interest in these environmental matters. I've already said that I believe that this target may not itself be ambitious enough for our future uh, energy needs in relation to achieving our goals on climate change, and I can assure them that as part of the work that we will do, the Climate Change Committee will have the power to review that target. Bruce
2: Newmar.
1: Thank you Mr. Speaker.
0: This afternoon I am meeting with
1: Mrs. Phyllis Webb and a delegation from the Braintree Pensioners Action Group and they are meeting with me to discuss the government's failure to deliver on a promise to build a community hospital in Braintree. And I would like to ask the Prime Minister if he would care to
0: join us at this meeting. <laughs> I, I'm grateful to him for making me aware of his programme of events uh, for the rest of the day. Can I say to him, I, I understand the, the frustrations of people in local areas when they want uh, facilities. Uh, I shall certainly look at what he uh, says uh, to me on this matter. But I think he would agree that if we are to spend more on community hospitals and more on hospitals generally, we will need to fund the health service properly, and he should agree with us on the funding of the NHS. Sally Keeble
2: Uh, Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Can I bring to my right hon. Friend's attention the case of Gemma, a 19-year-old student nurse in Northampton who was referred by her GP for breast cancer screening last year but was put on a non-urgent list and so had to wait for a routine appointment, an agonising wait it was, to be given the all-clear. In this Breast Cancer Awareness Month, what assurances can my right honourable friend give Gemma and the many other women who are referred for breast cancer screening um, that they will all be seen, whether their cases are judged to be urgent or non-urgent, within two weeks?
0: I'm grateful, my friend, she has taken a long-standing interest in the development of better health care in this uh, area, and we are determined to go further on uh, meeting better cancer waiting times, improving early detection rates, and therefore to increase the amount of screening that is done. And I think it is important in this uh, Awareness Month uh, to be able to say that we can do more in the future. Uh, I know that women who visit their GPs uh, are not always referred urgently for investigation of suspected cancer. That is why we are prepared to say now that all women with breast problems will have a guaranteed appointment with a specialist within two weeks of referral, not just those with suspected cancer. And I hope that goes some way to allaying the fears that she has mentioned.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Jeffrey M. Donaldson
1: yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I am sure the Prime Mr. Minister Madam. will join with me in condemning the brutal murder of Paul Quinn at the weekend in yeah. County Monaghan. Absolutely. His predecessor gave a commitment that if any political party failed to uphold the rule of law and the democratic process in Northern Ireland, that that party alone would be uh, sanctioned and not all of the parties in the Assembly. In light of this uh, killing of Paul Quinn, will the Prime Minister now reiterate that commitment from the Government that only parties in default of their commitments will
0: be sanctioned and not everyone else in Northern Ireland? And and that is the position of the Government. Uh, this This was a brutal and horrific crime. I have already talked to the First Minister and the Deputy First Minister in Northern Ireland about this, and I am sure the sympathies of the whole House will go to the family. I echo the widespread condemnation of this atrocious event and the desire that those who carried it out should be brought to justice as quickly as possible. The Chief Constable has stated there is an ongoing investigation. It obviously would be inappropriate to speculate on the responsibility at this time, but I believe that the police on both sides of the border are doing everything in their power to bring the perpetrators to justice. Gilsley. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. <coughs> uh, my uh, right honourable friend will be aware that uh, some two years ago the National Institute for Clinical Excellence restricted the use of Ariset and other drugs used in the treatment of dementia and Alzheimer's disease. That decision has been reviewed, <coughs> been subject to a judicial review, and has been upheld. However, throughout the whole time, NICE have never released the data modelling on which they based their decisions and are still refusing to release that model for further scrutiny. Could I ask my right hon. Friend to use his influence to persuade the Institute to release that data model so that that decision can actually be checked? Well, well I, know, I know my hon. Friend has taken up this, this issue and he's raised it in this House before. We did establish NICE so that it could make its decisions transparently and independently and free from political interference and I think in the light of the current legal action relating to this it would be inappropriate to comment further on the specifics of what he has said. However, I can say that uh, the Department of Health are investing 20 million in a new national research network on neurological disease which will expand the number and range of clinical trials and treatment and Alzheimer's disease is one of those areas that will benefit uh, from that and I hope you will join me in welcoming this new addition to the research. Yeah. Feet worship, Mr. Speaker. Over one hundred and
1: forty thousand Scottish voters lost their franchise at the Scottish Parliamentary elections yeah. in May because
2: of the monumental bungling
1: and clumsy attempts at gerrymandering of the Scotland office. Isn't it therefore time that it is the Scottish Parliament that takes responsibility for Scottish elections and will he do what the Scottish Secretary failed to do yesterday offer an unconditional and unreserved apology to those who lost their vote? Yeah
0: and we do regret the fact that people were not able to to, to vote but I have to to say to him that his party also supported the system that was adopted and it's no good now coming and saying when there was a consensus on what the system would be that somehow that party knows better that the system was wrong his party supported the the system at the time and as Mr Gould has uh, reported all parties must take their share of the responsibility (laughs) Lynn Jones
2: Honourable Friend consider adopting the feed-in tariff system for renewable energy generation, which has been so much more successful in stimulating investment in renewable energy in other European countries, such as Germany. Given this country's vast uh, resources of renewable uh, energy, uh, Does my right honourable friend agree that this country should be taking the lead in meeting the European 20% target, rather than leaving it to other countries to do more?
0: I think think, uh, she will agree that we have led the way on climate change and will continue to lead the way. Yes, we will review the fees and tariff proposal that she puts forward, but I have to say that our decision to have a renewable obligation on the companies has been one that is yielding results and will continue to yield results in the future. I do not hide from the House the difficult decisions that will have to be made about how we reach our targets on renewables, and people will have to face up, as she has said, to the need to use wind turbines both on land and on sea.
2: Steve Web. Thank
1: you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, the Health Secretary has made the very welcome announcement that where local communities have concerns about a hospital reconfiguration, he will routinely allow an independent review. Frenchay Hospital in my constituency is faced with the threat of closure. The local community and the local authority have asked for an independent review so that it can be looked at in a balanced way. Will he allow us an
2: independent review?
0: Yeah, his his, his uh, uh, hospital issue predates the announcement made by the Secretary of State for Health. I, I, ca- I can say to him, however, that when an appeal is made to the Secretary of State, it is looked at on medical uh, grounds, and that there are medics who look at the specifics of any appeal that is made, and if that appeal comes, I can assure him it is going to be looked at by the medical experts. will recall the misery
2: that resulted from the collapse of Independent Insurance Company a few years ago. Will he welcome the conviction yesterday of Michael Bright Uh, and Dennis Lomatz in that case uh, and will he assure the House that the failure of reserving that took place in that company could not take place again in the market today?
0: The Financial Services Authority, as I recall, looked into this uh, very matter. They have to satisfy themselves because they are the insurance regulator that insurance companies have sufficient reserves and if he has any further evidence to bring to me, I will make sure that the FSA look at it.
2: Roger William.
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last week, the Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs wrote to me with his estimate of the losses suffered by farming and rural businesses on account of the foot-and-mouth outbreak. His best guess was 100 million, and this differs sharply from a figure that uh, came from a meeting in my constituency last night which indicated that the sheep industry alone would lose 520 million. This outbreak is fundamentally different than the previous outbreaks. The government is responsible for this outbreak because it licensed it licensed the premises
0: that were happening. I, I think the prime minister's got the point. He's got the point. Uh, prime minister, sorry, we have set aside additional money to help uh, farmers. We have also reduced the amount of regulation that farmers have to undertake. We have also uh, we have also slowed down the demands from the inland revenue for taxation to be paid by farmers. We have done what we can in consultation with the National Farmers Union to help farmers. I realise that this is a difficult time, particularly for sheep farmers and particularly for hill farmers, but we will do everything in our power to help them.
1: And Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would my right hon. Friend agree with me it would be unacceptable for rapists to be released from our prisons because of a capacity issue? Would he look to releasing and deporting foreign prisoners first, and ensure that we actually
0: build more prison places to get fairness and justice for the victims? I, I can assure him, I can assure him Mr. S- Mr. Speaker, that this is a matter that comes under the Parole Board, and they will not release uh, rapists who are in any way likely to harm the community. At the same time, I can say to him we are building more prison places and we are continuing the prison building programme at a faster rate than before. And I can also take, say to him that this year we will deport 4,000 foreign national prisoners. Two years ago it was only 1,500. Last year it was only 2,500. We will deport 4,000 foreign national prisoners. And I can also say that we will do more by signing agreements with countries like Jamaica, which have 1,400 foreign prisoners in British cells, uh, Nigeria, which has more than 1,000 foreign prisoners in British cells. Uh, Vietnam and China, 400 and 300 prisoners in British cells. We will sign agreements with these countries so we can return prisoners from our cells as expeditiously as possible. We will increase the number of foreign national prisoners who are deported from our country. Order. Guardian Unlimited.